today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Benjamin. How are you all today? So good. So good. God is good all of the time. We're talking a little bit about perseverance at the moment. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that uh, most of you, apart from those couple of people I see sleeping on Sundays, persevere through my messages each week. And, uh, you know, it's real. uh, I'm very thankful that you keep your eyes open and some of you even nod every now and then. Someone says, yes, good. And uh, sometimes I see people shaking their head with the heresies. But, you know, we need to persevere with each other, don't we? And we need to persevere to, to uh, see great things happen in our lives. They don't just happen, you know, uh, Heather Murphy didn't become a great artist without uh, persevering. And uh, you, go and, you go and look at her art now and you say, wow, you're so talented. And she'll go, yeah, some of it was talent, some of it was the Holy Spirit, and some of it was hard work, you know, and, and and we, we, you know, we come into agreement with the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he's given us and we persevere. And as we persevere, great things happen to his glory. So uh, we're going to keep talking a little bit about perseverance. And this morning I want to unpack, I want to tell you two stories. One about uh, the Apostle Peter and one about myself. And I want to kind of run on that as a little bit of a parallel and, uh, and, and see where we go and look at, look at an, an example, uh, a biblical example of perseverance and, a, and, a, and an example that I've gone through myself in perseverance. So if you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. You see, if you were here last week, we talked about perseverance really needs to begin with some sort of goal. You need to have your eyes set on something. You need to be heading somewhere to have something to persevere through and to. And uh, so, you know, I want to suggest to you this morning that perseverance starts with an invitation and a commitment. You know, the, the invitation can come through just through a desire. A desire is a form of invitation. It's, it's, it's something that gets presented to you through either a desire or someone offering you something and, and then uh, you commit to that or not. So verse 18 of Matthew chapter 4. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he, Jesus, said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's the invitation. Verse 20, They immediately left their nets and followed him. There's the commitment. There's the acceptance. See, at some point in life, an offer comes on your table or, or a desire comes. And when you say yes to that, you're actually saying no to everything else. We need to make commitments in life. We need to, to accept some invitations that say no to everything else. When, you say, when, when someone asks you to marry them, when you say yes to that person, you don't realize it at the time, but you're saying no to everyone else on the planet. See, we, we need those yeses in our lives. And... For me, about 15 years ago, I went and got my real estate license. And uh, I thought, Warren Evans has got enough of Noosa sewn up as far as real estate is concerned. He needs some competition. So I'll go and get my principal's license and get into this, get into this game. And 
at the same time, I was uh, praying with a couple of friends of mine. Each week we get together and pray. And, and one of those weeks, we, we all sensed in agreement an invitation, uh, an invitation from God for, for me to come and serve in this house. And uh, it, was, it was bizarre because we, we all seemed to come up with it at the same time. And uh, unfortunately, the pastor of the church at the time didn't have the same sense. And uh, I don't know whether he wasn't praying or I don't know what was going on. But So instead of waiting for the pastor to invite me into that space that God was already inviting me to, I went and invited myself to that space. And I wrote him a letter and said, you know, these, I, be, I believe these are your challenges and I believe that I'm part of the solution to those challenges. And uh, he fell for it. And, and uh, anyway, so there was no job going at the church and my wife was the receptionist at the time. So we, we got into agreement and we fired Kristen together, the pastor and I, and I became the receptionist of the church. So about... 14 years ago, I became the receptionist of this church. And for, for 18 months, I was the receptionist. The skirts were uncomfortable, but I got through it. And the, the, it, was an, it was a great season. And, you know, as you can imagine, the jokes were, were uh, common and regular. And uh, I felt like I, I handled them quite well. And, and uh, the other thing that I was doing at that time was every Monday morning, I would go down to the Noosa Courthouse. We had this little knotty van that had a, had a little burner in the back and I'd take cups of tea and, and hot chocolate down there and I would you know, I'd heat the water and make, make chocolate and, and, uh, and coffee for the, uh, the guys who were about to go into court, the Noosa Courthouse. And uh, that was an amazing experience too because here I am with the most you know, feminine-looking hairdresser car you've ever seen serving hot chocolate to these hardened criminals going into, into court. And uh, you know, I'd say, oh, yeah, what are you going in for? And they'd say, oh, brawling or something. And, that, and then they'd go, oh, where are you from? And they'd go, oh, I'd say at the church, NCOC. And, and, uh, and then they'd say, oh, what do you do there? And I'd go, I'm the receptionist. And, uh, you know, and, and the, the, uh, I, I never really got anyone saved out of that because they felt like getting involved with God was not going to take them anywhere strong. But, but it was a good part of my journey, and uh, we kept going. But uh, have you ever committed to something and then felt so far out of your depth that you begin to question your original decision? Yeah, just this morning, committed to coming to church, and then you heard that story, and now you're questioning your decision for getting out of bed. Yeah. It's, that's the way it's meant to feel. I just want to let you know, if that's how you felt, if that's how you feel right now, that's, you're in the right place, and it's the right time for you to feel those feelings. This is why God's got that deep Hebrew name that didn't quite get into the Bible called Jehovah Sneaky because he gets, uh, he, he, he gets us to the point. I think that's why he gave, us, he gave men a sex drive because it was the only way he could get us to commit to our wives. And then, and then once we're committed, then he deals with our hearts. You know, it, Jehovah Sneaky gets us into a commitment and then he does a work on our heart and transforms us. But we're not smart enough sometimes in the short term to be able to make the right decision. So he gives us things like, you know, he says, yeah, visions and dreams and then we make it and then we step into that space and then we go what was I thinking and if you're thinking that you're in the exact right place because now you're ready to receive from the God who is above all and in all and through all and you realize that you cannot do it alone Jehovah Sneaky has got you into the commitment and now you need to 
trust him that he's going to take you all the way to the other end. You see then, because what happens then, once we just relax and we allow, we allow that to happen, we allow uh, the process of life to happen, then we start to get revelation. Why don't we turn to, you know, flip over to Matthew 16, verse 13 to 20, or verse 15 to 20, sorry. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's asking them, who do, you know, who do people say that I am? We, this, we preach on this very regularly. We love this verse in churches because, you know, there's a lot of building talk. And, and, uh, and in verse 15, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on heaven will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's at this point you go oh, I am in the right place and it is the right time. When you get a revelation, you know, you've had a vision and you make a commitment and you start to get a bit shaky and then, then at some point you get a revelation, oh, that's right, I am on track. God is still with me, I'm still going, you know. And, and uh, you, know, you know, in this place in the church for me, over time, uh, you know, I became a, more of a value to, to my boss here and uh, eventually he ordained me, had me ordained as uh, his associate pastor. And it's interesting when you get a revelation of, of service and, be, and to begin to be, feel useful to those around you or those you're serving, it feels good. It, you know, life feels good. You feel like you're in the right place at the right time. It's, you know, it's being, especially being the number two in any organisation, I think is the most fantastic position that you can be in. Because you've got, a, you've got a front row ticket for everything. You've got, a, you've got a seat at the table for all the decisions, but you don't carry any of the burden or the responsibility of the show. You've got influence, but you don't have burden. It's a really amazing, it's an amazing space to be in. And when we're in that space, sometimes we have the tendency to boast a little. And uh, if, you, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, 24, verse 24, it says this. You don't have to turn there. It's one verse... It says, now the, these, the disciples are all talking with one another and it says, now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. You know, it's like when you're, when you're all doing well and you're thinking, oh, you know, am, I, uh, am I doing a little bit better than this person? Or are we doing that? Where am, I in the, where am I in the chain of things? How much? You know, and, and because you're thinking, I'm doing good. Why don't you say to the person next to you, I is the man. Peter and the other disciples were, they were thinking about, hey, who's the greatest amongst us? There's 12 of us. Someone's got to be the greatest. I'm, I reckon it could be me. What do you think? And uh, the problem is when we get a little bit too comfortable, a little, when we get a little bit too confident in ourselves, then comes the test. In verse 31, we read, And the Lord said to Simon, 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 that's Peter. Indeed, Satan has asked for you 
that he may sift you as wheat. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said to Peter, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you even know me. My pastor said to me at that point, I was his associate, and he said to me this, he said, you know, I'm going to need you to start sharing some of the burden of the church. And I said, no worries, I I think I already am. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm there, I'm there already, I feel like I'm carrying it with you. And he goes, okay, well, we'll see. This is interesting that Jesus said, he said, when when he said, he didn't rescue Peter from Satan's sifting, he said this, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And he says, and then Jesus realizing that it probably was going to fail, says, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, when you've learned the lesson, when you've come back to me, don't just keep that lesson to yourself. Strengthen your brethren. I'm going to use that revelation of your failure and restoration to strengthen your brethren. And then comes the sifting and the failure. Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter sat outside, sat outside in the courtyard. Jesus had just been taken. Okay, Jesus had just been taken. Now Peter had sat outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, just a servant girl, no one, no one of, of any legal status. And she said to him, ah, you were also with Jesus of Galilee. And Peter denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are saying. 71, when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he he denied with an oath, I do not know that man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. He made the promise of saying, I'm going to be faithful. And then he realized that he'd failed dismally. So he went and wept bitterly. For me, it was a series of events. My boss was going through a tough season as the leader of the church and uh, believe it or not, pastors go through dips. And uh, he was going through, a, he was going through a, a tough season. And on top of that tough season, he caught quite a, a, tough, uh, quite a hard flu. And, uh, you know, I was getting challenged from many areas while I was his associate as he walked through that season to do something about it. And, uh, and I, you know, I was probably a little bit out of my depth. And... Then he caught, when he caught this bad flu, one Sunday morning around 4 a.m., he rang me and asked me to cover the, cover the preaching that day. And uh, so here he is. He's struggling in his leadership. He's struggling with the flu. And he's asked his associate who said he would be there for him, who said he would carry some of the burden to step up. And what did his associate say? His associate, this guy in front of you right now, said, no. Four o'clock in the morning, I said, I can't do it. And uh, 
to me, that was a uh, that was a bad day. That was a bad day for me. I had many reasons for saying no that that at the time, you know, I I, I felt were valid, and and I'd, I'd convinced myself that it was okay to say no. La da da da, and. Then that day, he got up in front of church, sick as a dog, stood behind the pulpit, and he preached a terrible message. Terrible message, no passion. Lots of phlegm, but no passion. But he got up, and I sat there on the front row, and I felt ashamed, and I felt worthless. I'd, I'd made a promise to step up and to carry some of the burden. And here my leader was, who I was committed to, who, 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 who ordained me as his associate. He said, he asked me to step up and I said, no. You know, that to me, that was the day that I should have been let go. Anyway, that week, I walked the walk of shame into our weekly meeting and vowed that that would never happen again and that I would be his... I would, you know, I vowed again the same thing that I would carry some some burden for him, and uh, that was a day for me that I wanted to give up, but I felt that I needed to persevere, and uh, so I did. And and to you know to his to his credit and to to the grace he he allowed me to do so. And uh, you know, here's the thing: I didn't have circumstances to overcome. There might have been some circumstances, but they're not what I had to overcome. What I actually had to overcome then was myself. Do you have areas in your life that, that uh, you have many reasons to walk away, to give up or walk away? There's many valid reasons for giving up and walking away. These things come up in our lives. There's different things, that, there's different goals and visions, there's different commitments that we've made in life and, and that... that and then things go down or, or pressure comes on or our, we realise our capacity isn't what we thought it was and, and we just want to walk away from those things. And I believe that the story of Peter, and you can see it in my own journey here, that, that there's a point where we need to re-engage. We need to re-engage because everything about that situation says run for the hills. Everything about that says to those people who you're serving, tell them to run to the hills. But at that point, that's when we need to re-engage. And I want to challenge you this morning to persevere past you. There's plenty of circumstances to persevere past. We know that. But today I want to encourage you, one of the biggest things that we need to persevere through is ourselves and the stories you see we we tell ourselves stories about uh, where we're at because if we tell ourselves the right story we can get comfortable in any situation and he's saying look if you want to if you want to walk in the restoration then you need to re-engage i cannot re-engage you i can you know the Lord says, I am the God of restoration, but first you must step back into the ring. You must step into the place where you can be re-engaged and then I can give you the gift of redemption. I can give you the gift of restoration. I can re-establish you in a position of influence because when the restoration comes, it's a beautiful day. John 21, 12 to 17, the disciples, Jesus has, has, has been crucified, he's, he's been raised from the dead and now he's out. He's out connecting with, with a few people. The disciples went fishing. What do they do? They go back to their old ways. 
The disciples went fishing all night, and in the morning, John said to Peter, It's the Lord. They saw, they saw, they, they saw, they all saw the Lord. Now, when Simon, Simon, now when Simon Peter saw him, he didn't wait. They were just near the shore. He didn't wait until they got in. He plunged in the water and he went towards Jesus. He wanted to re engage. He knew that it was time to re-engage with his Lord. So he did. He plunged into the water and then the others followed by the boat. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He says it three times. Peter denied him three times. Jesus, gave, Jesus restored him three times. Three denials, three restorations, and there he is, back on track. He's restored. He's restored. He's ready to go again. And yet for me, you know, my, my boss restored me. He said, hey, I've, I've let it go. I've let it go. You dropped the ball. Now you're back. Let's forget that it ever happened. Let's get back on board. This is, the, this is what grace is. grace is. Grace is not about permission to live a life that's outside of God's gospel. Grace is permission to immediately re-engage. We, we think we've got to go through the process, the guilt period, the shame period, every time we drop the ball. God's saying, my grace is sufficient for this very moment that you can re-engage immediately. Because you know what happens? In, in the, it's in the gap where things get messy. The longer you take to re-engage, the more time the enemy has to sift you like wheat. The quicker that you re-engage, the quicker you get back to that place. The less baggage that you bring back into that place. To re-engage simply means this. It simply means to take part in or participate again. The problem that we have, though, with re-engagement is that uh, we just want to solve everything first. We try it. We want to solve sin. You know, I, I talk to people who, who have challenges in their relationships and, and they say, I, I don't necessarily know whether I can get back on track because I, I, need, I, need some, I need to resolve all these things that have gone before us. We want to solve everything before we re-engage. And I want to just encourage you this morning that you cannot solve sin. You cannot solve it. Solving sin is like walking on water. It's impossible. But if you can keep your eyes focused on Christ, then the water is actually irrelevant. It's not going anywhere. Sin is not going anywhere while we're on this earth. It's always going to be there. The memory of everything that you've done yesterday and everything that happened to you yesterday is not going anywhere. It's water. And there's no bridge, there's just Jesus. And if you keep your eyes focused on him, you don't need to solve gravity. You just need to keep your eyes focused on him. And I guarantee you will walk on water. You will be above the sins of yesterday. 
your own mistakes and the mistakes that were done to you. You see, there's an old saying that says, when you're free from sin, you will possess God. That's true. If you can get free from sin, you will possess God. But there's a second half of that saying. And it says this, if you possess God, you will be free from sin. So you can either try and do it in your own strength. You can try and get perfect so that you can possess God. Adam and Eve possessed God, but then they sinned and they lost God. We can possess God and we don't, sin doesn't leave us, but we're not, it doesn't hold us either. It no longer holds us. We can make a mistake and then re-engage. And I want to challenge you this morning that perseverance is, it's not so much about staying the course, it's about re-engaging every time you fail. I was saying to our Speak Up course on Tuesday night that if you've got a, if you've got a riding your push bike out into, the, out into the sticks and you get a puncture, you know, it's that point that you just want someone to come and pick you up and take you home. But if you, if you repair that puncture on your tube, that area of failure in the tube with a patch on it now becomes the strongest area of the tube. You see, the areas that you re-engage in in life where you have failed, in those areas, you now have a strength. It used to be a weakness and now you have a strength. And the areas that you have a strength, that's where you can go and plunder the gates of hell. You can go and help other people who have weakness in that area. And you can say, I re-engaged when my tire blew and now I can help you re-engage. See, when I was here, I couldn't solve my failure or anybody else's. All I could do was seek God and keep saying yes. Then something strange happened a few years later. I was about 35 years old and my, and then my pastor said to me, he said, you know what, you've been faithful to me. And I'm still thinking about that one moment years later. And he's going, you've been faithful. And he says, I want, I want you to take over the church when you turn 40. And it, it wasn't even something that was on Kristen and my radar at that time. And uh, so, you know, I thought five years, plenty of time to change his mind. And uh, we can just roll on, you know, he was, he was only young. And then six months later, he said to me, oh, I want you to take over the church in three months. And, uh, you know, at that moment, I wish that I was Catholic like my grandfather. I could go and say 10 Hail Marys and, and be released from, the, from that comment. But here's the thing. God is always preparing us for something. And as we re-engage, he gives us fresh revelation. It was amazing timing because he asked us, he, he, he asked us to take on the church in three months' time. But in one week's time after he asked us, we were heading over to the States for a month. And uh, we went over there and you know, we, we, was, we, we went over there to, to go to New York and L.A. And, and we went to Atlanta to go to a, a leadership conference called Catalyst. And we went and stood in New York City and, and, we, and you know, we just felt the bigness. You know, and we, we, went, we, went, we tried to go to Nikki Cruz's church, um, Times Square Church, and it was sold out. I don't know how churches get sold out. But, um, but we stood there and we saw the bigness of this place and we really felt the Lord's the Lord's prompting that he was enlarging us. He's saying, see how big this place is? I'm enlarging you right now. And then we went to this, co- this conference 
called Catalyst. And, you know, it was, it was an amazing time where we hadn't seen anything. We'd been to conferences in Australia and, and uh, we went to this conference and it was phenomenal. We, every guest speaker, there was 20-odd thousand people in this conference and every guest speaker had written a book and every guest speaker gave their book to everyone in the crowd. You didn't have to buy the book and they signed it afterwards. They all gave you a book. We learned this concept of, of, of generosity and of, of, you know, of, of bigness, you know, that, that our job is not, to try to, is not to try to make a way for ourselves. Our, our job is to prepare a way for the Lord, like John the Baptist. And he, he, when we went over there, he enlarged us. And when we came back um, after a month, so it was one week plus one month, and then, and then that week after that, um, it, it ended up becoming three weeks' time. So we took from, from, from him asking us, it took us, it wasn't even three months, it was eight weeks, and we took on the church. And I thought, you know, I, I think about Acts 2, verse you know, 14. It's as we re-engage and look at the bigness of God instead of the smallness of ourselves, that's when the true adventure of life begins. You need to take your eyes off the smallness of yourself and the smallness of those around you and look at the bigness and the capacity of God. And that gives you yourself, it gives your smallness permission to re-engage with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is the giver of life and substance. And he will give you the tools that you require for the adventure that he has laid out before you. Verse 14, Peter's, you know, there's, Peter's up there, 120 in the upper room, and they're praying until the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then in verse 14, Peter says this. Not long ago, Peter was too scared to say that he even knew Jesus. But he re-engaged, and he was restored. And then this is what he says. He stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And then he goes and tells, tells the story of the gospel and, 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 and reminds them of what the prophet Joel said. In third, verse 36 he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40 and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. As you re-engage with God, the adventure begins. The adventure continues. He wants to do great things with you, and... And there's many valid reasons, there's many great reasons that you should not continue. But he's saying, are you going to trust all those reasons? Are you going to trust logic? Or are you going to trust the God of the universe and re-engage on the adventure that he's called you to? That, my friends, is perseverance. Remember last week we spoke about the hand? You see, we need revelation. But after every, after every revelation, there's process. And then we get another revelation. And then we go through some process. 
you know, I thought that was a tough season. But when we took on the church, that's when the real tough seasons began. That's when God really began to do a work on our hearts and, and showed us the areas that we needed to get bigger in. And then we'd have a process. And then we'd get some fresh revelation. And then we'd go through some process. And then we'd get some fresh revelation. And then we'd go through some more process. And I'm going, Lord, just take me from revelation to revelation. I'm faithful. I'll be right. He's going, no, no, it's in the process that the revelation goes from your heart and consumes your whole mind and body. You see, revelation is where it begins and the renewing of our mind is where it ends. And then when we get to live out the adventure with God as we re-engage each time we drop the ball. And let me tell you, in your future, you're going to drop the ball. You're going to fail. You're going to walk through challenging times. You're going to have opportunities and you're going to let them go. And he's saying, today like every day, is an opportunity for you to reconnect and re-engage and access my redemption, my restoration, my wholeness and fresh revelation for tomorrow. Perseverance is more about re-engaging than staying the course. You know, why don't you stand with me this morning? What a God we serve, hey? This is what I know about you. God has invited you into something great. He's invited you into an adventure with him. And my guess is that many of you have said yes to that adventure. Many of you have said yes to God. And some of you are in that time now where you're saying, I don't know what I was thinking when I said yes. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what I was thinking when I, when I got into, into this new place with God. And he's saying to you this morning, he's saying, if you will trust me, if you will re-engage at the low point, then I have fresh revelation for you tomorrow. I have a fresh understanding. I want to restore you. I want to redeem you. Some of you have dropped the ball. Some of you have failed in a way that you don't feel like you're worthy to get back up. This is what I want to tell you this morning. You were never worthy. I was never worthy. It's not about you being worthy to be redeemed. It's about all of us humbling ourselves and, and, and coming before him and allowing him to restore us. Someone once said to me this about, about the sins in our lives because we have a tendency to have a scale for sin, don't we? We have, oh, there's, there's these sins and then there's these ones up here and then there's man, those ones up there. Thank the Lord I don't do any of those ones. You know, I've got a few of these little ones down here. And he said to me this, he said, when you're praying and when you're submitting, you, you know, when you're, when you're in repentance and you're feeling broken about something you've done, He's saying, don't mention what the sin is. He said, just put it all in the one basket. Because what it will do for you is it will show you that all those little areas that you've given yourself permission to get away with are just the same in the eyes of God as all those big things that you're thankful that you don't do. And he's saying, not only will it give you the ability to lean on him for his redemption and restoration, but it'll also give you a heart for someone who you, who you are, are discouraged about how badly they are behaving. 
He wants to do a work on your heart. He wants to restore you, redeem you, and lift you up. If that's you this morning, if, you, if, if this morning, if you want to be someone who perseveres to that invitation that God has given you, why don't you put your hand on your heart? If you, want to re, if you need to re-engage today, why don't you put your hand in your heart? If you want, if you want to step into a new place, if you want to, if you want uh, to agree with the King of Kings about where you're going, why don't you put your hand on your heart and let me pray with you? Father, we're so thankful that you're the giver of life. We're so thankful that you invited us. We're so thankful, even though we may be in fear and trepidation now, that we committed to that invitation. And we give you all the glory and the praise right now. So, Father, we ask, as we take a step forward this morning to re-engage with you, we ask, Lord, that you would welcome us with open arms, Lord. We know that, you're, that you are faithful, Lord, and and and. And that you are always there waiting for us like the, the father of the prodigal son sword. So we ask, Lord, that you, would re- that, you would, that you would redeem us, that you would restore us as we re-engage with you right now. For all those hearts that feel like they've, they've tipped it over too far, that they're too low, Lord, I ask that you would stir them up, that you would lift them up, Lord. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus, that your liberty would run true in our hearts, Lord, and that your revelation would drive us, Lord, that we wouldn't be driven by our mistakes or the mistakes of others, but we would be driven by the fresh revelation of the kingdom of heaven. We thank you, Father, that you've put perseverance on our hearts, Lord, and we accept it in the mighty name of Jesus this morning.